Welcome to Branching Out, a podcast presented by the reporters and editors of the Acorn Newspapers, offering you a closer look at the news in your community. Welcome to uh, a holiday edition of Branching Out. It is Monday, September 7th. Labor Day. Labor Day. Uh, hope you all are enjoying your, your day off from the rigorous work week. Hopefully we have our foot up by a pool somewhere when we're listening to this on Monday. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. Nobody works anymore. Um, so uh, we have a guest in the studio today, a guest, a colleague, who uh, has never been on the show before, Brooke. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, as we were just discussing before I hit record, like, Kyle has a very strict policy of, like, not saying hello to new employees until they've been here at least <laughs> six months. How, and you've been here how long now? Um, I started in October. Okay, so, so coming almost, up on a year. Yeah, okay. almost a year. All right. So, Kyle, say hi now. Well, yeah. Hi, Brooke. Good to see you. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, Brooke Stanley, I met Brooke when she was still a student at Cal Lutheran University working for The Echo. Shout out the Echo staff. Uh, they're still doing their thing, I see, this week. Uh, checking into the laundry room. Yeah. And, uh, did, did you know anything about that? They, no. Uh, I that was, was like a, an odd tweet by the Echo vague. looking into the, uh, the laundry room at Mount Clef. Um, but, yeah, I met Brooke uh, uh, when she was still in college. Saw her skill right away. We totally hit it off. She interned for a little bit. And after, I think, after you, you graduated, you actually went out and did a, a program, a journalism internship. Tell me about that. Because I was hoping we could get you to come on right away, but you're like, I've got this internship waiting for me. And that was a, yeah. a great experience, right? Was, yeah, that yeah. was awesome. So I did, it's called the Dow Jones News Fund um, internship. So I did that for multimedia. Um, basically, it was like a residency program um, in Phoenix at the Walter Cronkite School. And then, so that was awesome. I learned yeah. a ton there. Um, then flew to D.C., um, and I had a three-month internship at the International Center of Journalists. Um, so I was doing a little bit more communications PR work there, but I did get to do, you know, a little bit of freelance writing and podcasting, that sort of thing. So that was that was really cool to kind of be just in the thick of it because there, I mean, wow. journalism is huge. So. In D.C., right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the timing that you did it now, considering everything that's going on as we sit and talk with masks over our mouths, that you did it when you did. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Brooke is one of those reporters we love to have here because she actually grew up in this area. It's obviously not a prerequisite, but as we see with Ian, who grew up in Westlake, and you, Park, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it brings something to the table, and it makes you a little bit more passionate about your job because you're, you know, you're writing about an area that you know and people that you know uh, but right now your beat is the Camarillo acorn for, for people yes. that don't know tell us uh, what what are you covering for Camarillo right now what are your beats I guess? um I'm mainly covering uh city and school districts mm-hmm. um yeah that's a big job there's two school districts right now explain yeah that. there's yeah, what is that? Pleasant Valley School District and that's um elementary middle school okay um and then there's Oxnard Union High School District and that's there's three schools that serve Camarillo students, um, and then 
yeah, and then the other so schools two are... Different, you have to cover two different school boards? Yes. When do they meet? How does that work out? Um, yeah. It's a little hard because yeah. Oxnard Union meets on Wednesday night, so a lot of times that conflicts with uh, city hall meetings. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then PBSD meets on Thursday nights. Camarillo's a, it's an interesting beat. It's um, you know, it's the one over the grade. I like mm-hmm. to joke how I, I never go over the grade. I don't know what exists over there, but not completely true. But in some ways, we feel so separate from you, you know, even yeah. though we're you know, 15 minute drive away, Camarillo can feel a long distance away. Um, but right now there's always seems to be news going on. And you told us coming in here that just this week, Amazon, uh, everyone knows Amazon is going to be opening up uh, a huge location right there. And mm-hmm. uh, where in Camarillo? Um, so it's going to be off Mission Oaks Boulevard. There's two buildings that they've bought and um, they're huge. I think they total over like 733,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah, so that's Huge. that's going to be opening, or it's expected to open uh, September fifteenth, is what I was told by the city. Wow, what are the what are they going to have there? Do you have an understanding? They're a little bit. Have you never talked to anyone from Amazon? They're not exactly the most uh, media friendly. Yeah, there. they they have not responded to my <laughs> request for comment, but um, shocking. <laughs> But yeah, they is a warehouse. I mean, where, yeah, it's yeah. it's like a last mile uh, distribution facility okay. is I, I think what they call it. So yeah. Wow. So how many they're going to be hiring locally? Do they have jobs already, or this going to be creating new jobs? I mean, in this economy, you know, yeah. I imagine Camarillo's the city's excited about. That. Yeah, the city's definitely excited about the new jobs. Um, I think it's supposed to employ around one hundred and forty people, okay. and I have been seeing some, you know, LinkedIn. Um, job applications start popping up and that sort of thing yeah, yeah. in this economy i'm sure they're they're going to have some interest we just had amazon move out to newberry park last year and uh the, in that in that location i think it's been a bit of a challenge for them i mean they have such an impact i don't know if you've been around the amazon facility i drive by it i mean and if you come at a certain time i mean i'm literally vans mm-hmm. as far as the eye can see I yeah there's such a major operation now where they're at now they're going to be kind of have their own space right off mission oaks they're not there it's near the freeway right and it, yeah it's it's close to the freeway but i don't know if you remember me telling you i used to work at sage publishing oh yeah, yeah so okay. i i experienced those oh, amazon yeah. vans okay, firsthand you know about that. they made me late to work many times <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's again it's it's a it's a plus and there's going to always going to be some impact with amazon i think yeah. that's the um, the challenge there but again the fact that they're taking up this much space in another building right i mean we're talking about probably as the crow flies 10 miles from their place in newbury park just speaks to how popular they are yeah. You an Amazon user, Ian? I mean, no. Ian, Jeff Bezos has enough money. He doesn't need any money. <laughs> well, they are they are creating uh, some some new jobs. Um, so that's that's a big story out of Camarillo. Another thing, while we have you here, I want to talk about, and and Ian covered some of the the protests, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests that we saw, and you did as well in Camarillo, that happened really heavily in June and somewhat into July. But a lot of that has dissipated, I think, in some of the other communities we cover. Have you? I mean, has there been any lasting effect that, that you know of in the communities that? Uh, I know Las Virginas Unified School District has been implementing, or at least is in talks about implementing, um, like sensitivity awareness, diversity training for their teachers and staff. Uh, th- I, there is a push in the Oak Park Unified School District for them to be uh, diversifying their curriculum and implementing that kind of training. And I know that the staff have been meeting with uh, potential 
uh, people, I don't know the word, potential uh, candidate consultants, thank yeah. you, to be doing that. Uh, I think they are going to be deciding at their board meeting this next week or the 15th. I can't remember. It's coming up soon, though. Okay. So it, stuff's happening, at least in the school districts. But citywide, beyond saying, like, we support Black Lives Matter, like, not really. Yeah. Not. I mean, and I, I would have to say, and I'm, again, only speaking for Thousand Oaks City Council, there was not... Um, really any there no vote that took place no real any resolution or anything like that but in Camarillo there has been it seems some real tangible impact from that movement and, and what uh, the protesters I guess were, were fighting for can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so um, it, I think Camarillo was pretty similar we saw a handful of protests um, they've kind of died off now um, but during you know when George Floyd was when that first happened. Um, our the vice mayor Susan Santangelo, uh, she re- she had a couple requests that she came to the council meeting with, and the first one was she wanted to review the police contract, um, which is about eighteen point one million dollar yeah. contract. It's a big part of the budget. Yeah, it's yeah. about it's eleven percent of the city's budget. So that's the contract with, of course, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. Yes, right? yes. So. She wanted to kind of look over that, you know, see if not only the contract itself, but see what police policies were, you know, use of force policies, that sort of thing. Um, her other request was that uh, the city pass a resolution declaring that Black Lives Matter. Oh, wow. Yeah. So How, how did that go? So that, that caused, there was a lot of pushback on that. Um, one thing that I think kind of fueled the fire there is, so after she made that request, uh Council member Charlotte Craven, a longtime council member, she sent out an email to a handful of her friends, she said, and somehow it was ended up being posted to Citizens Journal. Or, you don't get a sense that she meant for it to be... Uh, she she yeah. didn't leak it herself. Yeah. It was like, no, this was for my friends. And yeah, that's it. what okay. it seemed like. So, okay. um, yeah, so it got published on the news what site. What did it say? Uh, basically, it says uh, Santangelo is calling for defunding of the police, Um like, we need to kind of push back against this. Everyone kind of, I don't think the people of Camarillo want that. So, like, basically let your voice be heard, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. So after that, the city got over 500 calls and emails from residents. Um, some in support, a lot not in support of any sort of defunding of the police. Um, but Santangelo, are you saying she never, that's not what she said she supports? Um, she really just said she wanted to, to look at. Yeah, yeah, so she said that that letter was a misrepresentation of what she said. Um, I mean, the original meeting, when she said it, she did bring it up as kind of a possibility. Yeah. But to me, it seemed more like she was just theorizing. I think what she said was, like, I'm not calling for an overnight defunding of the police, but maybe a, uh, her quote was a gradual strategic reallocation of funding. Oh, wow and responsibility away from the police for some of these roles they were never meant to do. So she was talking about, you know, when they're called to be mental health practitioners or substance abuse counselors, that sort of thing. Now, did that uh, deaden any of the the negative response? Or it sounds like, again, the overwhelming response that you saw was what, in support of of the sheriff's department and and not... Um, Honestly, it was was pretty split as far as the letters went. Um, Yeah, I would say there was almost more support for the Black Lives Matter resolution and at least a review of the contract. Um, but yeah, the the following meeting after that, I think it was like two or three hours of public comment and 
Right. Yeah, right. so uh, there was a lot of input. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are always, always, especially when there's like other stuff on the agenda and it's like the first thing and you're just three hours like. Yeah. And, you, and your editor wants you to write about that thing happening last. Yeah, no, I get it. So did they ultimately, and they ultimately didn't vote. They, uh, in terms of uh, the resolution, they now they didn't back that. They backed a, a different resolution. They, they, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, Vice Mayor Susan Santangelo, she uh, drafted the wording of the Black Lives Matter resolution along with Council Member Sean Mulche. Uh They brought it to the council, and then. Um, Mayor Tony Tremblay also brought a separate resolution that was basically along the same lines, you know, condemning racism, but um, it didn't mention specifically that Black Lives Matter. So that one ended up getting passed. Uh, it was four four to one with Susan Santangelo um, voting no. So, yeah, that that's the one basically that Basically voting no because she felt it wasn't, she thought it was important to have Black Lives Matter. Yeah, in, exactly. In and, and when Sean Mulche voted, he said, like, I'm basically begrudgingly voting for this. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, so more importantly, um, her second request, this idea that they take a look at uh, at the budget. Uh, and so for our listeners that don't understand, especially in well, I guess LA County has a contract situation as well with the city of Westlake Village. Oh, yeah, Westlake Agora and Calabasas okay. all contract for their law So the way it works, yeah, we don't have these cities um, don't have their own police forces. They contract with a larger agency, either with the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department or the Ventura County Sheriff's Department. And basically it's like ordering a menu and they this is the cities get to choose. This is the services we want and they pay so much. Um, but I think this is fascinating because we there is not a lot of transparency when it comes to those budgets because we don't have our own police force. If we did, there, those line, a lot of those line items would be made available, be part mm-hmm. of the larger budget process. Um, and so really uh, it seems like so they're going to have now a meeting where they're going to kind of explain what the meeting is supposed to be. They're going to open up the look at the budget and talk about it. Yeah. So, um, basically the chief of police, Eric Tennyson is going to do an educational presentation is what they're calling it. Um, so Mm. it's going to be basically like a virtual forum for, um, their contract use of force policies, uh, reporting and complaint process. Um, and you know, just the services that the police gives the city. Yeah. And, um, Kind of in tandem with this, uh, the city just came out with a new platform. I think Thousand Oaks uses it, uh, OpenGov. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're using OpenGov, and along with that is Open City Hall. So it's a platform where you can basically uh, put out surveys, and residents can uh, give give answers and and input. So they're using that to gather questions mm-hmm. from the community, and he's going to go over as many of those questions as he can yeah. during the presentation. Has he, how has he been defensive? Have you, have you interviewed him about the police chief, about this process, and even bridge the topic of uh, reaff, you know, reassigning uh, monies towards, I mean, have they, you know, do they, has he come out in defense of, hey, we're, you know. Hey. No, no, he hasn't. I, I haven't talked to him since um, they announced that they were doing this mm-hmm. uh, presentation. They just announced it last night. Um, but when I interviewed him at the beginning, he I actually saw him. He was at one of the first protests in Camarillo, and he his his view there was definitely like I'm open to having conversations about this. Um, he's been meeting with council members just separately to kind of go over the budgets and explain, 
how everything works um, just on their own. I mean, to me, it's fascinating because it's not going to be, for some of these cities like uh, Los Angeles that have their own police force or Simi Valley, Mm -hmm. I mean, if they want to cut funding, all it takes is a simple one vote, one public hearing. But with these contract cities, I mean, it is, I don't know how exactly it would work because the cities only have so much flexibility. That's, I mean, and I think we can all agree, you know, the Ventura County Sheriff's Office in their defense, is, is quite popular around here. I think if you surveyed most people, what we feel about what we hear in Los Angeles versus what we hear in Ventura County, I mean, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to make a sweeping statement, but it seems to be the overall tenor of the community. Is that, yeah. Does that seem fair? Um, but at the same time, the cost is huge. And is from a, simply from a budget standpoint, and with COVID and the impacts of that, I wonder if the cities uh, are going to use this as an opportunity to just look at some of these. Because mm-hmm. there's this public sentiment that let's do it right now. And so maybe they have more leverage where they wouldn't have it before. And, and I, I could be wrong, but I think Camarillo is the first city that's even having a kind of a hearing just like this. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be more than anything but symbolic um, to just be transparent. We will lead to any change. I don't know. Um, but that's that's interesting because, again, when we saw these protests happen and you guys were spending your time out there doing these and attending these, I always wondered, okay, here's the energy now. Where is it going to be in a few months? Mm-hmm. And I think in Camarillo we're starting to see at least somewhat that there was an impact, right? Uh, yeah. That, that's still going on. We'll see what happens. They're definitely very rare, though. Apparently, um, so this is the second – or no, sorry. The, the police services contract has come before the council – two times in the city's history. Um, and the last time was in 1980. That seems like, like I know, like a, like a city's budget needs to be audited for, by mm-hmm. an outside agency. Regularly. That seems like something that there should be a mechani- mechanism in place saying like every three, yeah. five, whatever years this should be done. Like it's been 40 years since their last review of their contract. Yeah, though I will note that um, they've reviewed kind of line items in the budget individually yeah. um, each year, but never the whole overreaching budget. Right. Yeah. yeah no, it's it, wild. That, that's a big step. I remember with Thousand Oaks, they had, you know, there's, they were they had told me once, oh, we review the, the contract over. The, this uh, like every five years or so and it actually turned out it had been like ten years since they'd done it so it doesn't go on a lot and yeah. again you, a lot of people would think that it does well that mm-hmm. that's really fascinating uh, the last thing I uh, wanted to ask you about and we're talking all of our education reporters right now are you know certainly not in the place of teachers and principals but you're kind of getting pulled in all these different directions right you were reporting on remote learning and, and how that was going to work and now we have this new waiver mm-hmm. system that we've talked about on the podcast a lot which is basically allows K through six schools to apply for permission to return to in-person instruction. And the, the state allows for this. And already the first two schools to get the waiver are in Thousand Oaks um, private schools, which are, have a much easier time doing this, obviously, because they're smaller groups they're working with, whether it be teachers or parents. Um, Cardin Conejo is yeah. one of those, right? What's that? Cardin Conejo? Cardin Conejo yeah. and Bethany Christian are the That's first right. two. Okay. And I think there'll be more. Have a... But now, just uh, on Friday, our, our school board took up a discussion about whether they would apply for waivers or not. Uh, has What have you heard out of with Pleasant Valley? Because they're, they're an elementary district, right? Yeah, they're okay. elementary and middle school. Okay, so, so they do the, have a middle school. So theoretically, though, they could bring back K through 6. That's yeah. what it would allow. And it sounds like you haven't heard anything yet. Or there's been no indication they're in a rush to do that. Or? Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a rush to do it. I know when Dr. Levin first announced that those were going to be available, it was 
as far as the timing, it was right before school was going to start for so many schools and districts. Um, and the same, same case with PVSD. So they started last Friday. And when the, the waivers were announced, they were basically just like, we need to just start school yeah. and it's going to, we need to focus on distance learning. Yeah. Um, they were scrambling. I don't think yeah. Yeah, so since then, um, they still haven't met with their union to see if that's going to be something that teachers even want. Um, they're planning to do that here in the next few weeks, but um, but as far as, you know, any action, yeah. there hasn't been any. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, there's so many moving parts for the different districts. It's going to be big news when we hear, because up to this point, we haven't even had a district apply for a waiver, mm-hmm. um, which, again, makes sense because of the timing it would take, but... Um, you know, it will get real interesting. We have all with between Canal Valley Unified, Pleasant Valley, Camarillo, even Las Virginis, which we heard from uh, the superintendent there. They they try to work together as much as they can, even though they don't have to. And if one district suddenly says we're going to apply for these waivers, then I think the pressure might be on some of the others. But uh, at least from Canal Valley, and it sounds like from Camarillo, there's not this. We've got to do this right away. Yeah. Which is tough because I, I there are parents that want their kids back. For, right away Mm -hmm. so this is going to become a major political issue i know in my school board race it already is with one candidate saying we need our kids back right away and another saying we need to wait so that's fascinating but uh, we'll see as as someone who's following along i'm sure you'll you'll hear and and learn more about this yeah definitely all right well brooke had a lot of information gosh she is a lot easier to talk to than you ian (laughs) if i can be honest for a sec Okay. <laughs> what do you want me to say to that? <laughs> well, that's... Uh... I'd like to see you talk your way... What, segue into the next part of this podcast. Oh, now. yeah. Well, what are we going to do next? Well, uh, <laughs> should we let Brooke go? How, how do we do that? I mean, she's not chained to the table, man. Please. All right. All right. Brooke, thank you for coming. <laughs> thanks Appreciate for coming it. in. Um, thanks for talking to Kyle. <laughs> um, Anytime. And thanks for making me look bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and we will have you back on soon. All right. course great having brooke on but that uh we should say she's left now oh. kyle has uh released brooke her. has left the building now um so now it's um it's ian and i and it just struck me that love having brooke on she's a great addition to the team she's doing a she lot really is. she's doing a lot of social media uh she's live tweeting the camarillo i want to say the city council meetings um fire breaking fire news coverage i just love having that element uh, now over in camarillo because I think it really adds to her. I mean, we're still a yeah. weekly paper. Yeah. We all, everyone knows that. Um, but we're so much more than that. And Brooke is kind of that new style of reporter that can write for the print edition, but can also update a meeting as it's happening live and do a breaking news story. So yeah. uh, just thrilled to have her on the team. So uh, follow her on Twitter. What's, gosh, we get it. Cue Jeopardy music. She's someone you actually probably have more followers than Ian, so this is a big deal. Dude, I'm almost at a thousand. I have more followers than <laughs> so yeah. Than I so Paul Brooks, she's at Brooks Stanley B R O O K E S T A N L E Y underscore. I certainly have more followers than Beyond the Acorn. <laughs> oh, no, that's not. Allison's not here to defend herself. But Fall Brooks, she's doing a lot of great work. She had a, several interesting stories this week. So, and check her out on uh, thecamarilloacorn.com. That's a little known fact that the acorn was not able to obtain the URL camarilloacorn.com. So, you have to type in thecamarilloacorn.com. The, the range of, of <laughs> URLs for our websites, like, 
It's so mine random. And, right? Mine is just the acorn. Yours is T O acorn. Yeah. Isn't Simi's just like S V acorn? Yes. But it, then this one is the camera. Well, no, 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 no. I don't think S V acorn works. We have M P acorn. That's it. For Moore Park with Simi Valley, you have to spell out Simi Valley acorn. Oh yeah. It's a little hard to. Follow. It's not very uniform. But little no, <laughs> like little tip: if you just go to theacornonline.com, it has links to all, all of five. The, all five websites. A lot of websites. people don't know about yeah. that. The Acorn Online. Yeah. Problem is that is when you type in the acorn, like to like to go to the Acorn Online, it just says the acorn is the first one that generates. Well, that's because you go to the acorn a lot. Exactly. If, to, to those check of our readers, check who, on your to see all yeah. your great work. All right. So uh, again, I'm going to make one more pitch. If you're out there and you are a candidate or you know a candidate who's running for office, we desperately want to have you on your show to uh, talk to you, interview you. Um, we're not getting overwhelmed uh, with demands, it sounds like. <laughs> no, all, all five of our listeners don't seem to be very invested in making Was well, anyone out there running? But if you are, seriously, uh, send an email. Uh, just reach out, out to us on Twitter. We think it's, uh, I do want to use this show as somewhat of a platform to let people know about some of these local races. So yeah. whether they're on or not, I think we're going to start talking about them more in, in the weeks to come. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, really quick, uh, one pitch, although I don't think when this comes out, I don't think tickets are still going to be available, but I'm going to be out at the Oaks Mall on what could be a sweltering Monday uh, for an outdoor concert in the parking lot. Uh, the Canaro Rec and Park District is putting on, sponsored by the Acorn newspaper. What? Uh, Who's playing? <laughs> there's Wild Child. It's a Doors cover band. Oh. Uh, I think the term is, is tribute band, right? Doors tribute band. Uh, Guy's yeah. a dead ringer for Jim Morrison. Uh, yeah, I think it's a... That, yeah, Have yeah. you not heard Wild Child, Ian? Come on. No. Oh. Well, I don't, why would I listen? Like, let me buy the record of a band pretending to be another band. No, I'll just listen to the Doors. And no offense to Wild Child, but yeah, it's just yeah. like... Good point, good point. You know. But Wild Child is, uh, yeah, they play over at the Canyon quite a bit. They are uh, a great local tribute band. Uh, that Jim Rule, our publisher, who you know is... Very much in the music of the 60s and 70s. That was his recommendation. Yeah. And every year we have, on Labor Day, the Acorn has always sponsored a concert in the park, which has been at Dover Hendrix in Thousand Oaks. Well, of course, this year with the coronavirus and the... Coronavirus? Coronavirus. This year with the coronavirus and the restrictions that go along with it, they couldn't do that. But the last minute they reached out to us and, and the Oaks Mall offered their parking lot as a space for people to have come in. Uh, so people will be, they only, they're only selling 250 tickets. And I think we're all a little nervous about with the heat, how, what impact that's going to be. Well, yeah, a bunch of people sitting on blacktop on the after, in the afternoon. That's going to be great. What parking lot? Is it over by the Movie Co. or is it on the other yeah, side by the Yeah, it's closer pennies? to the movie theater. It's, okay. um, uh, so, but again, I think I don't know if there will be tickets still available when people are listening to this. But yeah, the idea is that people will be driving it in their cars. Mm-hmm. There's giant speakers everywhere that will be blasting the music. Oh, so it's child. not going to be like people of, in lawn chairs on the parking lot. They can, sit, no, they can sit in their cars in the heat. Yeah, okay, exactly. awesome. You can run the AC. Uh, you probably are going to want to have your windows down. Uh, I am going to be sharing a few words, so you don't want to miss That's always entertaining. Uh, my one year, <laughs> year I get to address a crowd of 3,000 people and the power that goes with. I always want to like just. Please film that <laughs> for Twitter. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, but please film that. Oh, we'll see I, want, how that goes. I want you to film that so we can put an excerpt of it on the podcast. The okay? fear is like I'm going to have that like real. That layer of sweat, that glaze of sweat that Dude, whatever. People overweight know it's hot. people like, get. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited that we're doing this. I know we're joking about it, but I'm really glad the district went for this. Obviously, we didn't know we were going to have Heat Wave 2020 yeah. when we did it. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. Um, and if you do have a ticket, hopefully I'll see you there. Uh, and uh, if you don't, 
let's hope everyone who does goes there has a good time and no one gets heat stroke. So, all right, let's uh, get out of here. I know you have uh, you have someplace you want to be. I have stories I have, to write. I have nowhere to go. Uh, this has been Kyle Jory, editor of the Thousand Oaks Acorn. As always, follow me on Twitter at Kyle B. Jory. This is Ian Bradley. I'm a reporter for the Acorn Newspapers. Follow me online at Ian underscore reports. And again, if you want to follow Brooke, that address is, what is it, Kyle? It is at Brooke Stanley underscore. Does Brooke have an E at the end or is and it just Brooke with a K? Brooke does have an E at the end. Stanley, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y. Give her a follow. Uh, otherwise, yeah, we'll see you all next week if Kyle survives this heat. <laughs>